This is Julie D. And you're listening to the Nordonia We Need to Talk Podcast Network, brought to you by NordoniaHills.News. And without further ado, the Cleveland Sports Show starts now. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Cleveland Sports Show with me, Darius Sethna. Today, Andrew, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it, um, but no worries. I'm still here for the show. And uh, to kick off today, and to kick off uh, all the other, um, the next few um, podcasts, this Christmas I received uh, this really cool book, um, it's like a This Day in Sports History, um, so almost like, you know, what History.com does on their website on This Day in History, this is basically that, but uh, sports. And today is uh, the 29th of December, and on this day in 1997, uh, it was Dallas Mavericks forward Bubba Wells who set an NBA record by fouling out after just three minutes play, um, of playing time in a game against the Chicago Bulls. Um, it's part of Dallas coach Don Nelson's strategy to foul notoriously poor uh, free-throw shooter who, Dennis Rodman of the Bulls, and the plan backfires when Rodman hits 9 of 12 free-throws and Chicago wins the game 111-105. Uh, Bubba's career in the NBA will last only 39 games. So, like I said, um, learn something new every day, and I think this is going to be really cool for you guys um, just to get more taste of the you know his, history side of sports. And also, like I said, just new facts um, every week. So stay tuned as next week we will have another sports fact for you. Next, I want to move on to um, all the soccer leagues in the world. I'm going to introduce you guys to another uh, soccer league. Um, but first, we're going to get to the Premier League, where it is Liverpool, who are still in the first seed, with 51 points. Um, they've played um, 19 matches. They've won 16. Um, they have um, drawn three of them, and they still have not lost any games. Um, in second place, with a, um, six points behind them, is Tottenham Hotspur, with 45 points. Uh, they've also played 19 matches. They have 15 wins, zero draws. However, they do have four losses. And in third place, it's Manchester City with 14 wins, 2 draws, and 3 losses for a combined 44 points. And then in fourth place, it is Chelsea with 12 wins, 4 draws, and 3 losses for a combined 40 points. And the top scorers this week in the Premier League, um, Pierre-Emerick um, Aubameyang, I'm sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly, um, actually passed Mohamed Salah this week in terms of goals scored. He has 13 goals now. Um, in 1,486 minutes played, um, and Mohamed Salah still has 12 goals um, with one, excuse me, uh, 1,579 uh, minutes played. And then in third and fourth place um, is the two stars of Harry Kane in third with 12 goals, and then Eden Hazard of Chelsea has 10 goals. And this week it is actually all the way down uh, to Anthony Marshall of Manchester United, who has the highest percentage of shots on target for this week. His shots on target is about 93%, um, comparing to most of the other, these other ones, which is about the 50-60% to 60 range. And now we're going to move on to La Liga in Spain. Barcelona um, still home that top spot with 37 points, and three points behind them is Atletico Madrid with nine wins, seven draws, a loss. And in third place, it's Sevilla with 
nine wins, five draws, three losses, and a combined 32 points. And then in fourth place, it is the other Madrid team, Real Madrid, with 16 matches played so far for a combined nine wins, two draws, and uh, five losses for a total of 29 points. The top scores, uh, updated top scores this week for the Premier League, or excuse me, uh, La Liga in Spain, include Lionel Messi, who has 15 goals scored in 1,231 minutes. Luis Suarez has... um, of the same team, Barcelona, has 11 goals scored on four assists um, with 1,358 minutes played. And then Christian Stuani of Girona has um, 11 goals, a 61% shot on target for a combined total of 1,205 minutes played. And of course, um, we were going to talk about Juventus. Um, in first place still remains, uh, excuse me, Syria. Ah, uh, Juventus does remain in first place. They have a total of 50 points. They are still um, undefeated in terms that they have not lost a game yet. They have 16 wins and 2 draws. It is then Napoli um, in Naples who have also played 18 matches for a combined 13 wins, 2 draws, and 3 losses for 41 points total. And then Inter Milan has also played 18 matches um, 11 wins, 3 draws, and 4 losses for a combined 36 points. And then Lazio from Rome has also played 18 matches. They have 9 wins, 4 draws, and 5 losses um, for a total of 31 points. And ladies and gentlemen, top scorers in the um, Serie A league so far. A little bit surprising when I looked these up. It is not Cristiano Ronaldo who is the top scorer. It is actually Christoph Piatek um, from Genoa who has 13 goals scored. 49% of his shots have been on target, um, and he has played a total of 1,504 minutes. Cristiano Ronaldo is then in second place who has 12 goals scored um, five on five assists. He has uh, a total of 53% of his shots are on target, and then... Um, Excuse me. He has 1,545 minutes played. Fabio Quagliarella of Sampdoria is then in third place with 11 goals scored on 54% um, shots on target. He has five assists and then 1,458 minutes played. And then finally, uh, Liga 1 in France. Uh, PSG still remains at the top uh, by a comfortable margin of 13 points. Um, they have 47 points, contributing to 15 wins, 2 draws, and still without a loss on the season. And then um, LOSC from uh, Lille is um, in second place behind them, as I just mentioned, 13 points behind them with 34 points. Um, they got to those 34 points thanks to 10 wins, 4 draws, um, and 5 losses. And then Lyon is in third place, two, only 2 points behind uh, Lille. With nine wins, five draws, four losses for a combined 32 points. And then it is Montpierre in fourth place with eight wins, six draws, three losses for a total of 30 points. Top scorers, um, updated top scorers for French League One. Kylian Mbappe, the young superstar who we all saw shine in the World Cup this past summer, has 13 goals. 71% of his shots have been on target. He has four assists, and then nine. he's played a total of 927 minutes. And then in second is Nicolas Pepe of Lille, um, excuse me, with 12 goals scored. He has uh, one 
uh, 41 minutes per goal on five assists with 62% of his shots on target and 1,697 minutes played. In third place, it's Emilio uh, Emiliano excuse me, Sala with uh, 12 goals scored and two assists. 62% of his shots have been on target. He um, has had 100 minutes per goal and 1,199, excuse me, 1,199 minutes played. And then finally in fourth, the Brazilian star Neymar has 11 goals scored so far this season with five assists. 70% of his shots have been on target and uh, he has played a total of 1,037 minutes so far this season. And like I said, I'm, all, um, I'm always into introducing you guys to new leagues. This week, um, we have uh, one of the most, another popular league from Europe, the Bundesliga from Germany. This week, I'm going to give you guys the standings, and the next week, I'll talk about more about the top scores. But in terms of standings for the Bundesliga right now, Dortmund, um, from Dortmund, Germany, of course, they're known as Borussia Dortmund. They have 42 points and have a six-point gap between them and second-place Bayern Munich. Um, but with Dortmund, they have 42 points, uh, 13 uh, wins, three draws, and one loss. Bayern Munich is then in second place with 11 wins, three draws, and three losses for a combined 36 points. And that is uh, Mönchengladbach with 33 points uh, for 10 wins, three draws, and four losses. So those are the top three teams. Uh, we're going to get a lot more in-depth next week into the Premier League. Just wanted to introduce you guys to that. So if you haven't been watching um, some of the uh, other leagues that I haven't mentioned to you yet, uh, Bundesliga is a great one, especially for quality soccer, given the fact that it is Germany. And that concludes our soccer portion of the show for this week. Now I want to get into um, awesome basketball and NBA stuff. And because this is the Cleveland Sports Show, we always have to start with the Cavs. Now, this past week for the Cavs has been, uh, of course, as disappointing as any other week can go. Um, the last time we met, um, they had already played the Raptors. Uh, so on th this past Sunday, they played the Chicago Bulls and were obliterated by 20. Uh, in that game, they were outscored by 15 in the third quarter. It's been the third quarter this week that has really just killed the Cavs. Um, specifically in the third quarter, they were outscored 30-15 to 15 by the Chicago Bulls, and then by 28-18 to 18 in the fourth quarter. And the Bulls just never looked back after the second half. And then um, this past, excuse me, this past Wednesday, um, they had an absolutely embarrassing performance um, against the Memphis Grizzlies. Although I know that they lost only by eight points, but if those of you who watched the game, like I did, um, it took Channing Fry about almost seven minutes into the game at the five-minute mark where they had their first field goal of the game. They only had a point throughout thanks to a free throw. And then for seven minutes straight, they could not score. And I was extremely surprised that the Grizzlies couldn't um, capitalize. But I was also thankful that it was only the Memphis Grizzlies that the Cavs were playing and not a team like the Warriors or Celtics or one of the top teams in the league. It was... Uh, the first quarter that not that really killed the Cavs, not as much as in the third quarter. The Cavs actually were doing well in the third quarter and outscored the Grizzlies by a point. However, it was the first quarter that the Cavs really went down big. They only scored nine points in that quarter and then gave up 21. So a tough outing for uh, the Cavs in Memphis. And they did not really um, re-emulate themselves last night in Miami when they went to take on Dwayne Wade in the Heat. They lost by a whopping 24 points. And the third quarter once again killed them. 
Uh, they were down by four heading into the halftime mark, and uh, it was the Heat who eventually ran away with the game in the, uh, in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, they really just added the icing uh, and finishing touches on the cake and um, never looked back, just like the Grizzlies. The Heat outscored the Cavs 36-25 to in the fourth quarter. And that uh, concludes in the games this week in terms for the Cavaliers. Um, the one player who really has probably stood out to me the most, I would, I would probably say it was hard because um, I really couldn't find anyone to... Um, who really I thought stood out, but then I saw Matthew Delvadova and his three three pointers last night in Miami uh, for nine points, three of five from three point range, um, three of six overall from the field. He had also had three assists last night. Um, so I would probably I will I will give him the uh, award for um, player of the week this week for the Cavs. Um, this past Sunday against the Bulls, he had ten points in nineteen minutes. He was four of nine from the field and one of three from three point range. So he did have one deli tray. And then one rebound and one assist from this past Sunday. He had a pretty abysmal performance against Memphis. Uh, he only, In 18 minutes, he was only able to accomplish a meager two points on one of five from the field. And then 0 of 2 from three-point range with two rebounds and three assists. Once again, I'm you know extremely disappointed in the Cavs. I'm very um, concerned, especially the fact that they're big names like Kevin Love, Rodney Hood... They're consistently not wanting to play. Um, I think Kevin Love really especially. I'm really, I'm really done done with this. You know, he's had toe surgery for a very, very long time now. And the fact that he's not, he's still not playing, it's the end of December. And when did he get injured? What, end of October, early November? No, this is, this is ridiculous. And I think that we really, the Cavs really need to assess, you know, the, the, you know they're paying big bucks to Kevin Love because he's the all-star now. And, you know, he's the guy that is going to be relied upon. And the fact that he's just not willing to, you know, still play, I mean, it's a little bit ridiculous. And um, I, I think the Cavs really do need to get, you know, their act together with this, with some of these injuries. David Nawaba, I completely understand. He rolled his ankle. He, you know, he, he should be out, you know. That that takes a while to um, to recover from. But, you know, even I was talking with this with my family last night, this really is becoming uh, unacceptable. And I think us Cleveland fans... Um, you know, this shouldn't be a surprise. We've, we've had a, the Cavs have had a history of, um, of having to suffer through Kevin Love's injuries. The, how the Cavs have been performing th- uh, throughout this past week, um, they are currently back to last place in the Eastern Conference. They're 8-27. and They only have a 23% winning margin. They've lost four in a row. And on the road, they are 3-14. and At home, they are 5-13. and and like I said, one reason there's the one factor that can help us, or excuse me, uh, help the Cavaliers get better, is that they, they need the All Stars to come back. They need Kevin Love. They need guys like Rodney Hood. They need a um, they need a complete roster and a healthy roster in order to at least make some competition. Because as we've seen, um, a weak Cavs roster, or in this case, um a non-complete Cavs roster really destroys their chances of winning a game, especially in that third quarter. Like I said, this uh, this week, the third quarter has really been the Achilles heel for the Cavs. If they want to be able to be more successful uh, in their future matches, they need to be able to find ways uh, to stop teams from consistently scoring in the paint. Um, they need to focus more on getting their opponents to shoot um, outside jumpers because they'll be able to 
um, have a better chance of securing that rebound and really getting out in the fast break with all the young players that they have. Now, in terms of the schedule for the Cavaliers, they play the Hawks uh, tonight um, at State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia, and then they will um, they will meet once again with the Miami Heat this time at the Q this upcoming Wednesday at seven, and then Friday they will host the Jazz. Um, on yes, on Friday they will host host the Jazz, and then that Saturday will be another back to back against the Pelicans at the Q. They will then host the Pacers at, at Quicken Loans Arena on Tuesday the 8th before they head out to um, New Orleans to take on the Pelicans and their West Coast road trip on um, Wednesday the 9th. So this um, after their match tonight with the Hawks, this will be a four-game homestand for the Cavaliers. So they're going to definitely need to take advantage of that, um, especially given the fact that they're only 5-13 and 13 on their home floor. They really need to prove and show some themselves and show some more passion. And these are um, some tough teams that they're playing against. The Heat that we saw them lose to last night. The Jazz are a tough team. The Pelicans, we all know what Anthony Davis can do. And the Pacers, who gave them a huge run for their money in the playoffs last year. Um, we know what Larry Nance did a few weeks ago with that buzzer-beating shot. Um, but Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner, all those guys are going to have um, plans to spoil the Cavs' festivities at the queue that night. Also given the fact that they want some revenge for that home loss on December the 18th. And uh, speaking of the NBA, this past Christmas... The um, NBA had some wonderful ske- schedules. It was definitely a merry, very merry Christmas for both Kyrie Irving and James Harden as they led their teams um, to huge victories. First, we'll start off with uh, James Harden, who this past Christmas against uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, he uh, had 41 points in 39 minutes, 15 of 35 from the field, 5 uh, of 16 from three-point range, two rebounds, or excuse me, six rebounds, seven assists, two steals, and one block. James Harden was all over the place um, against the Thunder. Um, He was not able to let Russell Westbrook or Paul George get it going, really. Um, The Thunder were in control of the game for, um, sorry, the Thunder were in control for most of the game, Um, but it was James, the heroics of James Harden that really helped pull the Rockets uh, forward, and especially the fact that they did it without Chris Paul really makes it a lot more... um, Excuse me. It makes it a lot more satisfying for the Rockets, given the fact that they know they have that star guard for them. And then James Harden proved himself once again um, this past Thursday against the Celtics. 45 points in 39 minutes, 11 for 26 from the field, 9 for 18, 50 for 50% from three-point range in that game. He racked up six assists and two rebounds. A lot of these stats, you know, he's he's averaging two points. Uh, more than he was last year. These stats are, they look a lot more, they, they look a lot higher in this case um, than they did his MVP season. And, you know, I've been thinking, we've, you know, talked about a lot of, M- we've had a lot of MVP talk, you know, LeBron, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, Stephen Curry, Joel Embiid, we were always, we were all talking, who's, could we think make that um, MVP uh, for this year? And I would not be surprised at all if James Harden is the uh, back-to-back MVP. I mean, just these numbers that he's putting up are absolutely phenomenal. Um, In the stat screen that I'm looking at right now, since December 8th, the lowest uh, number of points that James Harden has put up is 29 points, and that was um, December 11th against the Trailblazers. His highest was... 
his highest was, excuse me, um, 50 against the uh, Los Angeles Lakers uh, the very next game. Then given the fact that, you know, 29 points is the lowest that he scored in almost over a month, it's a huge satis- uh, satisfying for the Rockets, and I think it definitely can uh, get them in the right direction, especially the fact that they're finding their way once again. They're 19 and 15. Um, they're starting to look like the Rockets from last year, but it's still going to take um, a lot more, I think, especially when Chris Paul gets back. And Kyrie Irving last night, or excuse me, um, this past Christmas against the 76ers had 40 points in 40 minutes. He was 17 of 33 from the field. He also shot 50% from three-point range. He had 10 rebounds, two assists, and one steal. So Kyrie Irving was definitely showing his Uncle Drew moves to us um, this past Christmas and really just put the 76ers to bed. Um, Similar to the Rockets game, the 76ers were really in control of the game and most likely would would have won this game if it was not for Kyrie Irving and his heroics. Especially, um, you know, since Gordon Hayward is not at full strength, Al Horford was just coming off of an injury, they really needed Kyrie Irving to step up, and boy did he step up this past Christmas. Um, to follow up that performance, he had 23 points again in 36 minutes against the Rockets in Houston. He was 2 of 6 from 3 and 7 of 13 from the field. Definitely not as eye-popping as it was on Christmas Day, but if you really think about it, those are still quality minutes and still quality, uh, still a quality effort that he's giving you. And last but certainly not least, Andrew and I were talking about this last week, um, if you listen to our show. If you haven't listened to uh, last week's show, make sure you go on NordoniaHills.News or my Twitter account at Nordonia Sports and check that out. But last week we um, were discussing the, excuse me, the Lakers and the Warriors game in Oakland. And what a surprise this was. You know, I've, if you don't remember what I said, I said that it would either be an extremely close game or it would be a blowout in favor of the Warriors. And boy, was I so happily wrong. The Los, the Los Angeles Lakers blew the Golden State Warriors out of Oracle Arena this past Christmas. They outscored uh, the Warriors in all of the quarters, um, excuse me, on all of the quarters except the third, in which the Lake, the Warriors outscored the Lakers 32-26 to in the third quarter. That was the same quarter which uh, LeBron James um, suffered that groin injury. And um, we were thinking, you know, a lot of us, oh, no, the Warriors, it's just going to be like that Spurs series in 2017 when Kawhi Leonard went down and the Warriors made that huge 25-point comeback. And, um, you know, that's kind of the mindset we that we had. When Le- once when LeBron went down, but the Lakers picked up picked up the pace. They outscored the Warriors by almost 20 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were able to hold on to their lead in the third, and then outscored the Warriors 36 to 19 in the first. Excuse me, in the fourth quarter. In the first half, they outscored the Warriors um, 32 to 25 in the um, first quarter, and 33 to 25 in the second quarter. And that uh, which led to a 65-50 halftime lead. And even at halftime, I was very surprised, and I think a lot of us were very surprised that the Warriors um, were doing so poorly. Um, Kevin Durant wasn't on his A game. We didn't really see Stephen Curry play very well. Um, Clay Thompson was obviously off, and I definitely think this is going to play in um, to maybe what we might see come playoff time. And that leads me into my next question. What did we really learn from Christmas Day? If, uh, insert your comments to me at Nordonia Sports. What did you learn from Christmas Day? What 
did you learn from Christmas Day that might um, change your predictions uh, for the playoffs? This is a really extremely mon monumental game um, for me because I think it really shows that the Lakers have a ton of upcoming talent. And without LeBron, the fact that they were able to um, really dominate the Warriors at um, at Oracle Arena, it really shows that they have a bright future ahead of them. But at the same time, the Warriors um, could have just, you know, um, just said, you know, it's fine. We'll rest for this one. It's only Christmas Day. We know that when playoff times when playoff time comes, we'll be ready for the challenge. And you know, they might not have that mindset. We really don't know, and that's what makes the the playoffs for this year a lot more exciting, a lot more competitive. But the Lakers are able to take this one on Christmas Day by 26. The final score, 127 to 101. LeBron in that game had 20 in 21 minutes. He had 17 points, six of 11 from from the field, and 0 of 2 from three-point range. However, he was able to make up for that with 13 rebounds, five assists, and one steal before his uh, groin injury in uh, the third quarter. But the Lakers are saying that um, we've heard reports that the Lakers. Um, from the Lakers that LeBron is getting better and he will definitely be back soon. Um, it could, the injury could have been a lot worse. Um, thankfully it is not. And that concludes our um, NBA portion of the show this week. I know it was a little bit longer given all the Christmas Day stuff, but we're going to move back into the Cleveland Browns who have a chance to, for once, finally have more wins than they do losses. The Browns right now are 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and uh, one. Uh, That one tie was their very, very, very first game back in September the 8th against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Who um, The Browns have won three in a row. They are third place in the AFC North. The Browns, excuse me, this uh, upcoming Sunday tomorrow at 4.25 p.m., they will uh, be in Baltimore to take on the Ravens. And a lot of Steelers fans, a lot of people from Pittsburgh, really hoping that the uh, Browns beat uh, the Ravens because if they do, that solidifies the Steelers' chance of getting into the playoffs. So the uh, Browns um, are mathematically pretty much eliminated from the playoffs now. Um, the Browns this season on the road are 2-5, two, uh, two wins, five losses. Um, they have no more home games uh, for this year. This is going to be their final game of the year. Uh, like I said, they're 2-5 and five on the road. They'll be in Baltimore tomorrow. Definitely a huge rejuvenating season for the Browns. Almost as it was, I'm almost comparing the, uh, this season for the Browns um, as it was to the uh, Philadelphia 76er process. You know, a lot of losing, um, a lot of pain for the fans. But, you know, it's eventually starting to pay off now. And... Um, it's eventually starting to it started to pay off in Philadelphia last year. It's starting to pay off now for the Browns. They are seven and seven. They have a chance to be over uh, the 500 mark um, for the first time in what us Brown fans know is a very very long time. So it's definitely a huge rejuvenating time to be a Cleveland Browns fan. Whether it's a win or a loss tomorrow, I definitely can say and conclude that this season has been a huge success for Browns fans just throughout the Cleveland and Northeast Ohio area. And uh, before we end the show uh, tonight, uh, I would just like to tell you uh, thank you very much, of course, for listening. Um, we, ha we still have a lot of 
work from other students on ordoniahills.news. Um, we have previous broadcasts and other podcasts on there as well. So make sure you check um, make sure you check all of that out. Uh, you can also follow me at Nordonia Sports. I am Darius Sethna. You can follow me on Twitter, and I also post all my podcasts and broadcast episodes there as well. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the show tonight. Um, really glad to have all of you guys on board. Um, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week as well um, with a lot more NBA stuff and kind of a wrap-up on the Browns season. Hopefully Andrew uh, is back for next week. But once again, thank you guys very much for listening. Have a very happy new year. And thank you guys for a um, great year in 2018, our first year of the Cleveland Sports Show. Really was an awesome year. Thank you guys so much. And once again, have a happy new year. Happy new year.